Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading episode 4 of the Bullpen Cart. Maddie D and I had a good time talking about the AL Central today. As always, please give this a like, a share, and a subscribe. Tell your friends about it. We are getting a lot of good feedback, so thank you for that. If you didn't check it out with episode 3, we started doing a post where we include links to the various things we talk about. The Bleacher Creature, the Stadium Snacks, and the Beer Corner. So go check that out if you haven't. Thunderblogsports.com, of course, is the website. And if you are listening to this on the post, thank you so much. And please enjoy Episode 4. Welcome to Episode 4 of the Bullpen Cart. This is Jordy Cannell, the G-Man here, with Matt E.D. Matt, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. It's a... Uh... Warmer, a little bit warmer today, and it didn't rain as much as I was. I thought it would. So, you know, I can't complain about the day, that's for sure. Yeah, I didn't have to wear a jacket to work, which is always nice. But I realize now that I can walk to work that I might have to be like walk in gym clothes because it's not going to be pretty once it starts getting humid here in Philly. I'll tell you what, I, you know, obviously we've taken the train before, and it can be tough even on the train. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Well, uh, before we disgust you into tuning out, we are here today to preview the American League Central. We're going to be checking off the American League today, and I think, Matt, we uh, we talked about this a little bit in the, in the pre-show, but the American League Central should be pretty straightforward, not as straightforward as the, as the NL West like last time. No, but I, I, think it's, I think it's a little different than the NL West because I don't know how much movement there is, especially in terms of playoff positioning. Yeah, you know, late in the season, and we're going to get into that. Obviously, there's there's definitely a clearer favorite than there is in the NL West. That is for sure. Yeah, uh, I agree. Central has a top dog. That's for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think there's there's the definite top dog. Uh, but before we do that, we got to cover this because we previewed it in the last episode. We're recording this on Monday, the 27th of March, and we did that. We did the last episode last Sunday, the 19th. So we never really got a chance to talk about the semis or the fact. That we won. The U.S. won the World Baseball Classic, and it was amazing. First time ever. What we needed. Uh, look, as a U.S. fan, I just wanted to win. So it was it was eight nothing, right? Yeah, eight nothing. Yeah, it just spent it spent a little bit, and, and I you know I had some beers this weekend. Um, <laughs> as as a baseball fan, I wanted it to be a great game. I wanted it to be close. But as a U.S. fan, I loved the dominance. I loved finally getting our first title. Yeah, I think it was pretty awesome. We've talked about this before. I think the fact that it was both the U.S. and Puerto Rico in it was pretty nice to see. Obviously, that game against Japan was a lot more thrilling. It was much more of a pitcher's duel. I mean, it was raining in L.A., so that really had a lot to do with it, especially in that eighth inning, uh, two, you know, leaving two runners on and that fly ball that goes to Andrew McCutcheon. But that semifinal game was fun. Uh, it was a pretty big shock, I think. You and I can agree that Puerto Rico beat the Netherlands. But, I mean, they were a good squad. They were a good defensive, speedy ball club. And, you know, we, we'll talk about Yadier Molina's comments in a second. But, you know, he, he sort of led the charge against that Netherlands team. But I agree with you. I mean, it's what we needed, what the U.S. – I think what the event really needed, to be honest, the fact that the U.S. won. We've talked about Mike Trout, but I think – Going forward and, and seeing the tournament develop, uh, you know, for the fifth tournament in 2021, I think we'll see a lot more participation, and it, it might be even more exciting. But it'll be tough to match this one, I think. Oh, I definitely will. I mean, there were so many amazing games, you know, in the in the World Baseball Classic. It, it was awesome. Like I said, the last game was a little less eventful, other than the yeah. fact that it was in the United States, so the fans were so into it. But I mean, Stroman was a stud. Yeah, uh, they were in trouble as soon as as soon as he stepped up to the plate. Yeah. They were uh, they were in a lot of trouble. I mean, I mean, up to the mound. Excuse me. They were in a lot of trouble. He he was he was good. Yeah, so. he he did a really good job. That whole pitching staff in both games did really well. You'd Roark dealing in in uh, the semifinal game, and he I think was on a pitch count, so that's why he only went five innings. Right. And you, you can't really be upset with um, and I don't have his name in front of me, but the relief pitcher that came in that let up that home run. That I'll be honest, I was at Buffalo Billiards on Tuesday night watching that game, and I thought McCutcheon snagged that home run. There's uh, the, the tweet I put out of almost highway robbery. I had tweet, I'd written that out and thought, because you're not listening with sound, you're in the middle of a bar, but I yell out a big, woo, and see, and I thought he had it. But I, um, you and I both were talking about this. We did not watch the, the gold medal game, if you will, together, but we both uh, 
had a good time watching it. I'll put it that way. So uh, Drunk G-Man put out a couple drunk live tweets of the game, which were, as Emily, third and girl, likes to point out, had a lot of uh, elongated words, a lot of O's in, in uh, no time for losers, as I put that up when we won. But I really love McCutcheon in the last two games. And I put out a tweet saying the Phillies need to buy him with the Comcast money when he's free agent. I mean, hey, I, I would. I mean, obviously, we have uh, Herrera here but uh, in Philadelphia. He's a great uh, center fielder, but I would take McCutcheon in a heartbeat. We can move Herrera to another side of the field. I don't care. He's a great player. Yeah, and, and on that note, McCutcheon played right field for this team. I think he's done that a, a little bit for the for right. the Pirates, too. And Herrera's done that for the Phillies, where you bring in Roman Quinn into center field and you move Herrera over into left or into right. I mean, the Phillies outfield is... Well, this year it'll be a little better, but it, last year it was a fucking you know, wrote three-ring circus of who was there, aside from El Torito. But, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we referenced it. Yadier Molina was a little bit offended at Adam Jones making a comment about how the U.S. was motivated by the fact that Puerto Rico was going to have a parade regardless of how they did in that final game. And... You know, you know, I can I can get kind of the the gist of where Molina was coming from, but I, I still think at the same time, hearing "Hey, we're going to have a parade no matter what," you know, you could you can see where the U.S. certainly is coming from. So I think it's just kind of trying to stir the pot where there doesn't really need to be a pot to be stirred, you know? Right. I mean, you got to find your motivation, however you got to find it. I think it's wrong that both both teams would leak something like that. If I was a manager for either team. Um, but it is it is kind of bulletin board material for you know for the U.S. and I, I know how big it is. Like Molina said about for his country, it's just being in the finals was amazing. Um, they were definitely under Um You know, but hey, at the end of the day, a lot of these guys are professionals, and Jones had obligations. He needed to head back to spring training, and a lot of those guys did it. And look, I don't I don't want to put Puerto Rico down whatsoever, but it was eight nothing. Yeah, let's not and, be Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, I mean. They smoked him out. I don't blame Jones for saying it didn't sit well, but it is, it is a misinterpretation. Don't get me wrong. So I, I think it's a, a lot to do about nothing. For yeah. Me. Yeah. So I, I think I'm happy for Puerto Rico. So, yeah, I think it's a lot of just sort of missed connections, if you will, in terms of right. where you're seeing it. But I mean, again, I think the fact that it's just even this U.S. Puerto Rico final or even as U.S. Netherlands, because of the fact that a lot of those Nether kingdom of the Netherlands players were in those you know Caribbean islands. I think that's just a big deal for the tournament in general, and I think it was a good way to wrap it up. And I think we're the World Baseball Classic for those that like it. Are you know you're in a good spot going forward? Absolutely. I I can't wait for for was it 2021? 21. I was a little bummed that they changed it to four years. Just as a quick side note, it was supposed to be every three. So the first one was in 06, the second one was in 09, and they immediately changed it every four years. I guess I can kind of see it because you don't want it to eventually overlap with an Olympic year in case they did decide to make it in the fall or in the spring or whatever they decide to do with it. But uh, every three would be kind of cool. I, I'm with that. I, I just think it's hard. I think the, the owners and the front offices of baseball are like, look, I don't want my pitchers out there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think it's a tough one to float. You know, it's like the, it's like the hockey uh, Olympics and ice hockey. It's a little easier because it's at the beginning of the year, but still. Um, baseball is true, such a grind true. with all 162 games and all the spring training and potentially postseason. I think That's a true. Lot we're, not, we're not playing those that. games, so it's it's easy for us to say, "Oh yeah, let's, let's see a tournament." Oh, yeah. Right. But let's let's get down to business. We're you're here to do the American League Central today, like we talked about before. There's a clear winner, and we'll get to them in a in a bit. But let's start from the bottom, like we normally do, and and I think you and I sh- should have the same team at the bottom. I got the Chicago White Sox. Matt, what about you? I I have the White Sox as well. Although I think it's I think I think it's close with the Twins. But I yeah, but I, I think it White is Sox too. Kind of, they made a good decision this offseason. Yeah, and they they moved some great players, but they had to do it. Yeah, they certainly had to do it, and they'll continue to move some guys. Um, you know, obviously the big one was Chris Sale, and you get the top baseball product prospect in uh, Mankata from the Red Sox. And I think you're going to continue seeing that. And I think the question for them 
is how fast do they go into big sell mode? Right. Um, you know, you can see with some guys that have that, I don't want to say limited upside because they're certainly great players, but whether it's injury prone or it's just the fact that the negative aspects of their value, whether they strike out a ton or they let up their pitcher and they let up home runs. I think if a guy like Jose Abreu, I'm not sure if they move him or Todd Frazier, if they come out really hitting the bat, you know, hitting the ball hard, you can see him moved in May or June, I think, you know, a month before the trade deadline if somebody's looking to buy. Right. I'm with you. And I, I think Abreu would be the, the hardest one. I think he's to last to move of any of them. To pry, right, of course. And they also lost Adam Eaton, a guy that I really like, too, in the outfit. They moved him. Yeah. Um, yeah, because just, I mean, but Abreu, is, he is 30. So, I mean, yeah. it might be time to move on from him. Uh, and I think Todd Frazier definitely goes. Uh, Ho- uh, Jose uh, Quintana, Quintana should go as well, maybe even David Robertson. That's, to me, their best case if they can move all four of those guys for some promising prospects and start to push out all the veterans. And this is what you do when you rebuild in baseball. We see with yeah. a lot of other teams like the Phillies, um, it's time to go. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you. I think uh, another one that, that could be moved, you just have to wonder, he almost has to come out hot, is Melky Cabrera. If he does, yeah. you can get some like mid-level talent for it. You know, some B minus C plus players. You know, you know, I mean, a lot of those times those those prospect rankings can be a little false, especially in that lower tier, that uh, sub investment grade, if you will, for a, for a prospect. <laughs> right. um, but I, I agree with you. The one thing I found interesting, Jose Quintana, even if he doesn't necessarily come out, really get everybody mow them all down, if you will. He is the durability factor that I think a lot of teams, if somebody gets hurt right away, and we'll, we'll talk about this with a couple other teams, even in the division, but Quintana's never missed a start. I think you could get, if somebody goes down and, and you need a you know third starter, fourth starter, Quintana's your guy. And, and I would, you know, I'd send some prospects over for a guy like that. And he eats a lot of innings too. So if you don't have the best bullpen, it could be a good value. Right. I, I, the only thing actually I could see possibly with, with him is kind of like how the, the Phillies have held on to like a Jeremy Hellickson kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't, he, he's only got a team, I think his contract goes through like 2020, and it's just $38 million. So they may keep him around as an inning, innings eater, especially if they think that they could possibly contend in the next two to three years. I'm not saying that's going to happen, I'm just saying possibly. So, mm-hmm. but they need to move as many guys as they can, get him out the door. Um, they, they have a really good pitching prospect, uh, Lucas uh, Giolito. Yes, yep. Uh, he was optioned back to AAA. Yeah. Uh, but he should be back up at some point. So, you know, I, I think you're right. If if, um, if uh, Quintana can pitch well coming out early, if he's an ERA between like three and four, they'll move him for some prospects and bring some of the young guys up. Yeah, and I think the, the big thing that, that we're both on the same page on, and we're getting into those prospects, you have Giolito, you have – uh, Ronaldo Lopez. You have a couple guys that are potentially this year ready. You know, maybe trade deadline, bring out in August, and I think you could see them come into play and watch them get their major league debuts and become those White Sox of the future. And I think that's where you probably see not necessarily Rule Five picks, but maybe then make a, a free agency splash in winter meetings 2017. So I think that's sort of their MO is kind of get what they can for the guys they have now and then make the moves to continue to rebuild. Right. But it really, I mean, it it really is all about um, uh, Mankata this year, if he can come up to the majors. Maybe not this year, but he's really the centerpiece for their future. So um, to me, success for them this year is not wins and losses. It's prospects showing what they can do at either the triple-A or, or, or major league level. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, it kind of stinks to be Todd Frazier. You've been on – you're on a decent <laughs> Reds team that then fell off. The, fell off. Then you're on a, a good starting White Sox team last year that really just fell apart, and now you're probably going to get moved again. And he's a good guy. I've heard a lot of good interviews with him, but, I mean, hopefully he, he lands in a good spot where he can continue to – to rake the ball. You want to see him get a little little more on base, but you can see him do what Abreu did, reduce those power numbers just a bit to boost up that batting average. So 
hopefully that happens and right. and you know we wish them all all the best i you know if the phillies got one of them i wouldn't be upset but i also wouldn't i wouldn't there isn't really a future to mortgage cuz or there is but i wouldn't you know try right. to go after them now to sustain this the me, me, the i guess mediocrity uh, but I think a couple contenders could third base, like we talked about the other day, last week. A lot of these markets could develop themselves, and I think Todd Frazier could be like that Paul Goldschmidt prize if it is available. Right. Hey, the other guy that's kind of sitting out there that maybe has a bounce back season for the White Sox is a name that we know, but hasn't is James Shields is pitching for them this year. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, he. I mean, last year it can only go up for him. Let's put it that right, way. Right. Although I don't think his contract is going to make him overly movable, and yeah. he's, he's already 35. But hey, you never know. So no. just a name to watch. He's somebody you would want to actually see at some point play because you know he's you know some big game shields was was good a few years back. So yeah, uh, but let's move on. I think similarly we talked about the the Twins. We both have them at four. They could be interchangeable with the the White Sox, and I think it's the same it's the same game here of. Can their their prospects that have now in you know their second and third years in the big leagues, are they going to flourish to what those you know those rankings for their when they were prospects will they develop into that? The big name, of course, is Byron Buxton. Right, and he needs to step up. He did not have a good. I mean, he's for as high up as he was ranked, he's not had a good enough year recently. Uh, no. last couple of years. No, I, I uh, picked him as the American League Rookie of the Year last year, and I was horribly wrong. But I think, I mean, you still have Dozier, you still have Maurer, who can still at least be a good base runner. Uh, he's not the, the MVP that he was, what, seven or eight years ago. But, you, you, I mean, you got enough guys on this team that you could potentially manufacture runs. You're not going to have, I mean, aside from Dozier, you're not going to have the, the serious power. But it's it's a good, I mean, it's a quick lineup. It's young. So that's right. really the name of the game here. And, you know, they have Joe Maurer, and he's he's stuck there with his contract. But you know, he's a the very least, if he can get any kind of a bat back, he's a good guy for them to kind of look up to. Um, yeah, he probably isn't going anywhere. Like I said, uh, they could move Urban Santana if he has a decent year. So, but they're in the same kind of. I think they're just a little bit ahead of the White Sox, but I don't like their prospects as much. Yeah, they're the White Sox. Yeah, I agree. They're a couple years out. Um, I think you hold on to Santana if you can, even if he has a good year. Um, I'm not... He's a little older, but you, know, you really want to see see him kind of be that veteran presence in their clubhouse with that young staff and eventually and sort of continue to bridge that gap until their starting pitching can come up. I think they're more of a become that manufacturing team and let the pitching... Kind of come to Minnesota. It's tough to sell right. Minnesota for baseball, but Target Fields is a nice park, and yeah. hopefully you can start to to get that. And I think if Buxton starts playing well, if they start seeing other guy, you know, Dozier's a fun guy to play with. Jorge Polanco is another guy that I think you should watch out for. It's going to be potential power, but he's a good hitter. So I mean, I think that's if these guys can really develop, I think you you could see. A little bit of a splash in Minnesota, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Right, right. And the other guy that really needs to step up for them as well is uh, uh, Miguel Sano. He had a great rookie year in 2015, but yeah. he really struggled. They tried to move him to right field. Didn't work out. He's, he's, he's a third maybe. They're not sure. they got a lot of guys like that that need to step up and show that they can play this year for sure. Or else they're going to be... He continually take a step backward when they, when they really need to be taking a step forward. No, I agree. And Max Kepler is another one that I think needs to yeah. continue to be good. Um, he might be the, the team, you know, MVP overall hitter. Dozier, the thing you got to watch out for him is is he's not a big average guy. If he can get his average up and, and sustain that power, those power numbers, then you could see it. I mean, he'll still likely be the only Minnesota twin in the All-Star game, but you right. could see him in a couple different conversations and, and yeah. stuff like that. I could see him being moved. He's twenty nine. Yeah. Um, if they if they feel like they have the right deal, and he plays second, so it's yeah. not like second is a huge position. Well, which I think is a shame, but it's not shortstop. It's not you know center field. It's not catcher. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it kind of depends on how they do. If they feel like the people are coming along and they can compete, maybe next year, then you keep someone like Dozier. But if they feel like they're a couple years away. 
he's the guy you can move from maybe one or two decent pieces. Yeah. Maybe or somebody like that. So. Yeah, I agree. It, it could be something that you see again if that that second base market develops, or if somebody really needs power, or they have young guys that are supposed to be their power hitters coming up, and it's right. a position where you can really fill it in. That's yeah. the unique thing. It was sort of the same thing that Chase Utley filled in with the Phillies, where oh, right. he could really, I mean, he was a power hitting second baseman, but he also was a good hitter, good guy, you know, good guy to be around. So you could see Dozier fit in there. I'm, I'm trying to think of a team that could take him, but again, I mean, we could, you know, there's plenty of teams where we could see him land. Right, and you know, it depends on injuries as well, which will play a huge factor. I think. Their lineup needs to show, like you were talking about, they, they've shown power, but they need to show more consistency, more of a manufacturing lineup, and they have the speed to do that, which is what's confusing. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that one of those two, two teams, but the Twins have been so bad for so many years, really since like the early Joe Mowry years, I would love to see them figure it out finally, but I'm a little doubtful this year. Yeah, they had that one year where they made the playoffs against the, I think it was when the Phillies lost to the Yankees in the World Series where they lost that game on that weird outfield foul ball. Th- Remember that? Yeah, um, yeah, I do, I do, yeah. Yeah, but um, anyway, let's let's move on from Minnesota uh, and go across Lake Michigan and, and almost to Lake Huron. That's who I have third. I know you have them second. I do, I do. The Detroit we'll Tigers. Um, I could see them second, honestly. I mean, the, we'll get to the Royals in a second and why I think we might see them make a push. But there's definitely a clear difference between the Kansas or not Kansas City, the Minnesota and the White Sox, and then the the the, the second and third place teams. I think the big thing with the the Tigers is their lineup is great. I think, but they're a little older. But I think it's pretty good. You have Kinsler, you have Miguel Cabrera, you got a couple other guys. You want to see Upton come out well. Yeah, he's a guy that could take a big step for them. And they have um, a couple young guys, um, and I'm going to butcher his name. That's Nick uh, Castellanos, I believe it is. Castellanos? Yeah, he had a lot of potential. He was a top-five prospect in baseball a uh, year or two ago. If he can figure out their lineup, he could be really good. You're right, though. Their biggest problem is they have have age. I mean, Cabrera is is obviously getting older, can um, does Martinez have anything left? Um, Victor doesn't need a hitter, most likely. So um, that's why I have them ranked higher because I like them having kind of one more swan song year. Yeah. Uh, uh, and obviously, Justin Verlander bounced back last year. He should bounce back again. Um, they've Jordan Zimmerman, a couple other pitchers that I like there. So I'm um, I'm I'm looking at them saying they actually almost made. There was two and a half games out last year. Yeah, I they were close. So. But they really, it's really, there's, they can go one of two ways. Either they're going to stay healthy and they're going to compete, maybe not with the Indians, but they'll compete, or they're going to be injured and they're going to start trading pieces away. Yeah, so, I'm, I think you're a little more bullish on their rotation than I am. That was my big okay. question was, can their pitching match 2016? I've always liked Justin Verlander, so I hope that he keeps it sustainable. But Jordan Zimmerman had a really tough time last year. Michael Fulmer, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, he, yep. I mean... You shouldn't necessarily worry about the fact that he faded out last year at the end of the year, but I'm not sure if he can match it. And then you got Daniel Norris and, An- and Anibal Sanchez rounding out that bottom of the, the rotation, and I'm just not really that that bullish on them this year. So that's really my sort of my take back of them and why I have them third is it's right. tough to tough to match that. You know, they're kind of reminding me of the Phillies right after their glory years um, when they came in with all that name power that they had, right? Yeah. You kind of have the same thing with the Tigers. you got a lot of guys you know that you know were good, uh, but the question is, will they be good? Um, they're probably going to have to move J.D. Martinez. He's in a contract year this year. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you keep, with, like, just like with both Uptons, do you, do you keep uh, you keep holding on to their potential? That's going to be difficult. I, I think they're going to have... Like I said, I'm thinking they have one more swan song year, and they start to move guys next year. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, you also have Victor Martinez, who's sort of the he epitomizes the age, but high, you know, high ceiling. Uh, right. The ceiling is the roof, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but, but I, I mean, you got you got K Rod in the bullpen, who's the same thing. He's older, and it's just you got to wonder: 
is it sustainable? And that's my big question. And, and maybe that's why I'm not as bullish is because we've seen it in Philadelphia. But I, the pitching staff just has me worried. And I think – and we'll get to the Royals in a second. I just think that it's tough for them to – it'll be tough to be sustainable, I think, with a ballpark like Comerica and you're facing you know teams that may be able to take advantage of your age because they are a little quicker than you. Right. It's just – it's – it's tough to believe, but I can see I can see that upside. It's sort of a coin flip with the Royals, but I, I think the Royals edge them out a bit. Gotcha. Now let's let's move on to Kansas City. I have yeah. them second. You have them third. Let's uh, let's hear your argument for them being in third. So the Royals have never been considered a big market team. Yep. All right, which means money can be somewhat tight. They have a lot of. Players coming up that are going to be free agents. Oh, Lorenzo Cain, Eric Hosmer, Mike Moustakis, um, Alcides Escobar. Um, and they've already committed to Alex Gordon for long term, Salvador Perez, a couple other guys. Yep. I'm looking ahead and I'm thinking that the Royals are going to move some guys. And some of those guys will be gone. Their phone will be ringing off the hook. Unless they get out to a blazing start and they're competing with the Indians or the Tigers, mm-hmm. I, I think they're going to be sellers at the, at the deadline. They're going to try to move guys. Um, if Hosmer and Moustakis walks, you're going to get nothing but a draft pick. I think they need to move a few guys. Um, and part of that, if, you know, if Jorge Solar kind of breaks out this year, that makes it easier for them to move somebody um, like Moustakis or Hosmer. Um, no. So that's kind of where I am with that. And it's unfortunate to say this, um, but, um, oh, wow. Um, so I just kind of, I kind of feel like they're going to be sellers at some point. Unfortunately, I don't want them to be, but, because um, they're a fun team, and they were so much fun a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but I think they're going to have to be sellers. Yeah, I I can see that, and I can see them certainly getting a lot of phone calls from Estakis. Um, But I think it's it's tough to think that with Soler finally getting that consistent playing time and not being in this sort of log jam that he was in Chicago, right. I think, think that helps – I really like Ian Kennedy, and I like Danny Duffy, too. And quick side note, did you see the Danny Duffy bobbleheads the Royals are going to be giving out? No, I did not. They're pretty funny. They have them, like, over, like, cartoonish cartoonish muscles that large. It's pretty funny. Um, but I think, you know, you're obviously missing that the big hole with the unfortunate loss of, of Jordano Ventura. Yeah, uh, very, very sad story there. Right. But I... Is can they so they he obviously unfortunately passed away in a car accident over the offseason and yeah. can Jason Hamill or maybe Travis Wood can somebody step up in the rotation because he was their guy yeah uh, and so we'll see what happens that that is that really hurts them um, but hey maybe they come together as a team and they play really well so and we'll see what happens but um, I don't dislike him and hey I would love to get give me Lorenzo Kane any day um, so hey maybe the Phillies should call about him too so they could. Uh, they easily could. I, I also really like Perez. I think he's a really good catcher. Uh, he might be what he might be you know, one of the best in, in the American League or up oh, there. I would, say, I would say top five catcher in the game. Yeah. I, I think you could easily say that. Now, he got a little dinged up in the whole baseball classic. He got run into That's by, true. Their, back, by the world. their backup catcher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I, reports are he's going to be fine. So I'm thinking good things. He actually didn't have a great offensive – well, he had home runs, but he didn't have a great offensive season last year in terms of average. But I think he can bounce back. I mean, he's a guy that I – he's a hell of a catcher. I would take him on my team any day. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. You know, one thing and why I'm a little more bullish on them is that they always find a way to get it done. One thing that we talked a little bit about right before we, we came on air was that the Royals aren't your typical – sabermetric team you can't really forecast what they're going to do because they are the quintessential run factory whenever right. the last couple of years going back to 2014 when they won that when they won the american league the first time they always outperformed whatever however they were um you know projected to last year the the water sort of found its level but i think you know you can see it's really a big question of how fast do they come out, and can the, can the run factory be sustainable? But at the same time, in 2014 and in 15, they did have a not a slow start, but they weren't leading the division right away. So it's 
I think if you're going to be a seller, it's almost like the 2014 Red Sox where you have that two-week period right after the All-Star break where you make that decision of what you're going to do. And then you could see some type of trade like the Cespedes for Leicester trade in that season. You could see something like that where they're around contention and they want to try to shift a piece here and there. And I think that I think that's probably the most likely thing you see out of them. I don't know necessarily if they make the playoffs because of the fact that the American League just has it's loaded up a little more on both the other two divisions on both coasts. But right. I think you're I think you see them break five hundred. I, I could see that. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of their team. I almost think they need to make a couple moves at some point. They might be buyers if they if well. It's just gonna be. They have prospects. They, have they could buy. They just have some big names. That they got to figure out if they, if they can sign. I mean, that's yeah. Four core players that they need to figure out. Like, well, I think Lorenzo Kane to me is almost a no-brainer. You got to sign him. Yeah. Kind of player, but Hosmer and Mustakis because Mustakis had a terrible year last year, so some of them need to bounce back. Yeah, Mustakis. Yeah, you need. I mean, and that's the thing is that he's become this power hitter. And whether or not you want to say that the water found its level with him, which I don't think it did. I think he underperformed. But it, it's that exact thing. You need to see the guys you expect to be good to be great. And I, I'm a little more confident on that. So I think that they'll make that move. But let's move up to the, you know, I think it's everybody's pick to win the American League Central. It's not a big, not a big surprise that the no, Windians are up there. So there's everyone, I mean, and most Experts and pundits are picking them to return to the World Series. I mean, they they are very very good. Um, they've gotten better, um, and there's some guys that were injured last year who, if they come back strong, like uh, Kipnis, Michael Brantley, Carlos Carrasco was injured. Yep. Oh, I mean, hey, that's now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. Speaking of Carrasco and and uh, Trevor Bauer, I want to know yeah. over under how many sharp objects. Are the Indians keeping in the clubhouse? <laughs> no drones. No drone policy. I, I think so. As minimally as possible because it is so hard in baseball to repeat. Yep. It is very, very, very difficult. Yep. Um, so if they're going to do it, um, you know, they're going to need some of those guys that were injured to have good seasons because you tend to have one or two guys that maybe fall back just a little bit. Um, so, and, you know what? And I, I do like Edwin and Car- Encarnacion. I um, love I that move. Right, right. My question is, Corey Kluber, does, does he still, is he still going to be you know, good again? Um, yeah. And they need some of those guys to be healthy. I think Brantley especially um, needs to be healthy for them to, to really have success and get back there just because it's so difficult to repeat in baseball. To yeah. repeat your success and get to where you want to go. Yeah, that was one thing I had written down is outside of Brantley, who else do they really have in the outfield? That's their big question on whether or not they repeat. You got Bradley Zimmer, who's uh, one of their top prospects, uh, outfield guy, pretty young. But you, you, you could have a Tyler Naquin's there. He was on the team last year. You, you're going to be moving around a little bit. And but you know the uh, the big thing, like you said, is can Kipnis? He'll probably start the season on the DL. But how does he come back out? How does Carrasco come back out? Who really he hasn't? He's had solid starts in spring training, but he hasn't pitched more than three innings. So yep. I read. I read today. It's possible you could see him start the season on the DL, uh, but you'll. You know, the but one thing that I had written down is they clearly have one of the best bullpens in baseball, and I think oh. that the 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 thing here is that they nece- don't necessarily have the best innings eaters, and you could even see Corey Kluber's innings eating innings eating ability be reduced just by sheer whether you want to put them on a pitch count or you want to say, hey, we have Brian Shaw, we have Andrew Miller, we have Cody Allen, we're going to put you through seven and bring in either Shaw or Miller, whoever's been used more in the last four days, and then give the ball to Cody Allen. And I think that's where you've seen Mike Tomlin have success. It's where you could see Carrasco have success as he gets ramped back up in April and May and then let him have it you know, really let them loose once the all-star break comes and goes. So I think that's really where they can be successful with the pitching. And they're up there. I mean, with the starting rotation, if they are all healthy, it could be one of the best in the American League. Top to bottom, I think. Oh, I, I think with, without a doubt. Um, that's why I 
think Brantley's so important because you were talking about their outfield with uh, with Chisenhall and, and Nate. Yeah, really Chisenhall's a good one too. Right. We actually haven't talked about arguably the probably, in my opinion, the best player in the AL Central, which is uh, Francisco Lindor at shortstop. Oh yeah. Uh, who's amazing. Uh, but yeah, I actually I think at least this year I'm not sure about Encarnacion's long term with his age and his how big that con but this year he's a great addition. He's I, I love Mike Napoli, but he's better than Mike Napoli. Yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, and I'm with you. I think the the starting rotation is very important now, um, and they they have some guys and they're still young. They weren't really expected to compete like they did last year, um, but obviously they were fantastic. But the question is, can they get the timely hitting like they had last year? Uh, but they got a lot of guys that can possibly step up, so they're definitely to me. Top three team in the AL. I think so. Um, without a doubt. Yeah, I think so. And, I, and it, with Lindor, he'll. The really crazy thing, and, and I wrote this down about with Santana and Encarnacion, they're both the big power guys, but they also, last year they had Carlos Santana leading off a lot. So it's interesting that they. That they have, if Kipnis is their clear number two, Lindor is the number three, and that's without a doubt the right move. Then you put Encarnacion fourth. Jose Ramirez is another guy that probably will play the middle infield. He's going to be their third baseman, but while Kipnis is out, you can see him playing second. Uh, quick guy, quick third baseman. But the, the real question, I guess, on whether or not they repeat is that outfield and how can they put themselves in the position where Santana's leading off and he has the position to get a lot of RBIs. Right, right. And that's, you know, they have some pieces they can move too. So maybe they're the, they're definitely the buyers deadline. Oh yeah. For sure. So yeah, yeah, that's going to be, to me, they're the clear favorites. They should win the division and uh, fight for the top spot in the American league the whole season. I mean, they're, they're a very, very good team this year. Um, and look out for Lindor to get a nice little contract extension. I know. Yeah. I don't, did you hear the story about the GM's son? He was. Yeah. Yeah. The eight-year-old son was yeah. on um, uh, spring training. They, he was up in the booth with the uh, Cleveland announcers, and he let it slip that his dad was trying to sign Lindor to a seven-year extension. So, yeah. um, the children say the darndest things, don't they? Yeah. Which, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think. The Indians are in a good spot. They got a lot of good pitching that I think you don't even need to mess with. They don't really have a lot of prospects that need to come up, but you also don't need them to come up for a bit. So they could be in this long-term pitching powerhouse, which would be cool to see because you haven't really seen one of those since the Braves in the 90s of just su- right. su- sustainable success. And I think you, you, started ta- you started bringing this up, but I think it'll be – a battle between them and the Red Sox for the top seed. And I hope we see that series in the American League Championship Series instead of that ALDS matchup that we had. I I and Greg and I talked about this uh, last fall pretty in depth of the winner of that was winning the was winning the AL and that's what ended up happening. Right. But it, it'll be fun to watch that that uh, I don't want to call it a rivalry, but that those two powerhouse teams face off with each other and watch the two of them load up as the deadline approaches and see how this develops. Cause I think you've already seen the Red Sox dump a bunch of guys to get Chris sale. And depending on how their rotation come comes together with Pomerantz and what does David Price do when he comes off the disabled list, or if he even does go on the disabled list? Which I think it, I think it's almost but certain that he does. But watching those two teams load up because I think they have their, they certainly have their you know the holes in their various you know ball clubs. But right. I, I think it's a not necessarily a two horse race, but they're certainly the favorites to be in the American League Championship Series. Yeah, no, of course. Hey, I love it. I'm. Uh... I hope the Indians were a fun team to watch last year, but really the, they, the Cubs being in the World Series made it really hard for me to pick which team I wanted yeah. because uh, you know the Indians. It, well, now the that Cleveland now has the Cavaliers, but the Indians have some quite you know some. Uh, they're fun, they were just fun to watch, and I was rooting for Cleveland whenever I can. I feel bad for the Browns fans, and so I feel bad for the Indian fans. Now the Indians are good, so yeah. they can do what they want. So of course, believe land. <laughs> yeah, hey, we'll see this year, possibly, possibly. Maybe, um, and we'll we uh, we'll get to the NL Central at some point, probably later this week. But you know, that's the American League West. Who would you give 
MVP to Central. Lindor. AL Central. You said West. That's okay. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. AL Central. I think, I think Lindor. Um, but if I was going to have a wild card, I mean, it's hard to pick against him. Um, just try to think of somebody that I think might have a great season. I could see somebody in my contract here for the Royals, like a Lorenzo Cain, have a big year. Yeah. Like that. You know? So we'll see what happens, though. Yeah, I'd like to see – I don't think he's MVP talent, but I'd like to see Todd Frazier really tear it up in the first half of the season. Hey, um, yeah. I think a, a good dark horse MVP, and we didn't even talk about him when we talked about the Tigers. We touched on him, but is Miguel. Miggy. Yeah, I mean, he's, he won the Triple Crown, which is so hard to do. Yeah. So, I th- well, yeah, no, he's definitely uh, – Definitely a guy that could do. You know, I, I think he might be more of a dark horse than anybody else because how, how good we know he can be if he can stay healthy. Yeah, that and that's the big thing. Um, I mean, I'd really like to see. We talked about this before, but Buxton breakout. I don't think he's MVP quality. Mustakas, I think, can could really propel himself up there. I think. I think Jason Kipnis, if he comes back healthy, he's a big. You could see him rival Ben Zobrist for that big on base percentage numbers. Right. And I Man, think he could put a it together. Lot of talent on Cleveland. Yep. <laughs> good. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a fun division to watch. I think the most fun is probably going to be the NL Central, but it'll be if you can see Detroit or Kansas City come out hot, it could be fun into probably late August. I think September Cleveland eventually starts to pull away, but that's need you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. Right. But, yeah, let's move on. Let's do some segments here. We want to uh, start with Stadium Snacks. We sent out a tweet earlier today. Crossing Broad put out a nice little article of various different snacks coming to Citizens Bank Park. And some of these look incredible, Nat. Oh, my God. I'm I'm excited for baseball season. Are you kidding me? Did you see the uh, Italian roast pork stack coming up? Yeah, that thing. Oh. I mean, the, the, the way I found it was that Greg – uh, Greg the Prophet Piatelli, for for those not in the know, sent me some lobster poutine that's coming to Fenway, which we also tweeted out. Uh, but I figured I'd save that for when Greg returns onto the show and maybe he's tested it. But the when I searched that on Twitter, I found this Crossing Broad article. This looks incredible. To dis- to give you an idea, basically it's it's like a poutine type of dish, bunch of fries topped with roast pork, a uh, little provolone cheese sauce, cherry pepper aioli, which is like a mayo. I believe that that's what an aioli is. I don't know what an aioli, I don't know what an aioli yeah. is. I, I, I think it's something like that. Um, I, was, I was hoping that it sounds Italian and you're Italian that you'd be able to tell me. Maybe Greg will. Maybe he's the – well, or Joe Mart will definitely know. He's the, or we can go to the, the, the Italian himself and go to Joe Mart. Yeah, yeah. But um, – and then some some long hots, which are always that's a Philadelphia oh, staple. Philadelphia oh, staple, but it's it's pretty incredible. It reminds me kind of of the uh, the the loaded tater tots at the Fieldhouse. Oh, oh, those are good. Yeah, Joe Martin and I went to the Fieldhouse on Saturday to watch the the Elite Eight games. And we got an order of those, and we almost got a second order, but we balked and ended up going to the uh, the new Chinatown Square. Have you been there yet? I have not. It's pretty good. For those in Philadelphia, there's a new – it's all, it's pretty cool. It's uh, the Halal guys that they just built. They extended out the back of it. It's right by – it's right on uh, Race Street, so it's 12th and Race. 12th and, race. Um, and it's – you have a, a bunch of different – it almost looks like just uh, street. They refer to it almost as street food. Some of them do, but there's yeah. you kind of cover all your bases is there where there's Korean barbecue, there's uh, Cambodian barbecue, which is basically just a kebab place. Really good. I've never had Cambodian barbecue. Yeah. I need to go to that. Yeah, it's pretty good. I got it uh, last week. I've gone there multiple times since it's opened. Uh, you also got a get this Korean and Mexican fusion restaurant. It's almost like you go up to it and you order like Chipotle where you basically get a taco bowl. In this case, it it comes with rice and then various, it's not necessarily like general shows, but it's, 
you know, various different barbecued meats that you'd expect to get at a Korean barbecue type place. It's really good. Um, you can get chips and guac with it. They have a bar that's right that's on the other corner of it that looks like it's just a big happy hour bar. <laughs> um, they have a bao bun place, which if you've ever got you know you ever gotten that before, it's you know those you know bao buns or those puff you know puffy buns. It's tough to explain it uh, without without a visual, but right. that's pretty good. There's a sushi place. Yeah, sushi place, and then they have a rolled ice cream place, which those have popped up all over Chinatown, and those are pretty pretty incredible. It's almost like – Rolled ice cream places have popped up all over the place in general, all over well, Philly. So. Yeah, all over Philly, but a lot – there's like four or five in Chinatown alone. Sweet Charlie's is one that has not reached into Chinatown yet, but that is all over Philadelphia. One by your place, one by my place, one by my new place of work, which also happens to be by your place. Um, but – Anyway, back to this Crossing Broad article. There's uh, delicious foods around Philly, a sub-segment, if you will. This Jersey Shore dog looks also very good. Beef hot dog topped with pork roll, which is – how would you explain pork roll, Matt? Yummy. Yummy, yeah. My only concern with the the Jersey Shore dog is that I don't want to get it all over me. Yeah, that's true. I mean (laughs) – I mean, anything that you get on this list is going to be pretty, pretty messy. Um, right. I mean, anything that you really get now at most restaurants or stadiums are are messy. You know, if you're going for that that level of sort of that eat it with a fork cuisine rather than eat it with your hands. You could eat it with your hands and just get really messy, and then you're almost George Costanza at the U.S. Open with the uh, the ice cream bowl, but. I mean, it looks. I mean, it all looks pretty good, and and it's exciting. It really just makes you want to be outside with a cold beer and watch a little baseball. Hey, I I can't wait. I, I can't wait to go to a game and try some of this new food, man. I'm excited for baseball season. Um, We're only a week away. Flyers, enough with my Flyers. Um, you know, Phil Eagles can wait. The uh, Flyers the won't, are almost done. I know you're. I know. I know the Sixers. You know, I'm a big fan. The Flyers won't die. Flyers keep giving us a little glimmer of hope. No, no the Flyers keep They're, beating teams that are really good and then playing down to the competition and losing to the worst teams in the league, like the Devils and the Jets. They yeah, bother me. And the the Hurricanes too. Ooh. Of course, of course. Um, you know what? I you know what I need. What do you the need? Flyers. I need a nice beer. Yeah. Yeah, I do. What beer and, are you looking at? Well, you alerted me to... It's over on day. Yes, came out today. Yeah. So, um, uh, Bell's seasonal, very, very great seasonal summer. Oberon uh, came out. I think it was... To, no, yeah, it was today. Yeah, right? today yeah. is Oberon day. Yeah. So, uh, we'll have to make... Yeah. One of my favorites. Tonight, but I gotta get my hands on it soon. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's gotten to Philadelphia yet. I would doubt it. Because Bell's is out in Michigan. Uh, so, that's where I... I discovered the beer. Uh, I didn't discover it. It's been around for a long time, but that's where I first had it. it comes from Comstock, Michigan, which is fairly close to Grand Rapids, uh, which is also where Founders Brewery is. It's a good beer. Orange taste. Orange taste to it. it has a big picture of the sun on it. If you've ever seen, yeah, orange wheat. If you've ever seen the bottle, it's an orange lab- orange and green label. Big picture of the sun on it. It's pretty good. Very refreshing in the summer, and. I mean, it's. I didn't realize it was a yearly thing. I just thought it was, you know, it was a summer beer. But I didn't realize there was Oberon Day. So when I found that out today, when we were trying to come up with some some different beers to talk about, that was something that really got me excited. Oh yeah, no, it's a fantastic beer. And it's you know a little more manly than a Mike's Hard Lemonade or whatever some guys are drinking these days. So uh, Red's Apple Ale. Yeah, it's actually it's four point five point eight percent. So it's not like it's a. Uh, a light, light beer, but yeah. it's so refreshing and it's so great in the summer. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of that, and I cannot wait to find it in Philly. It might be here already. It could. So we're not. We're not totally sure. Yeah, so. we're we're not doing a lot of exploring for beer on a Monday night. We haven't. No. We we haven't resorted to that level yet. Um, or well, rather, back in my younger days, maybe. Yeah, yeah. We're uh, <laughs> unfortunately getting older. Um, but let's move on to some bleacher creatures. You had one that you wanted to talk about, sh- shifting gears away from baseball for a second. Well, yes. Um, if you are not watching March Madness, you are obviously living under a rock. Um, 
for the first time ever, actually, it's pretty fantastic Final Four this year because Gonzaga made it for the first time. Oregon kind of came out of nowhere after a couple injuries to make the Final Four, and UNC is also in it, which is expected. They yeah. think their record 20th time in the Final Four. Um, but the team that no one, no one saw coming, well, out of 18 million brackets on ESPN, only 675, that's it, picked this Final Four, and that includes South Carolina for the first time ever. South Carolina is in the Final Four, and they beat, in a great, great game, they beat Florida. Uh, and Darius Rucker, the country music star, was in the stands crying. Uh, he was so happy for his Gamecocks to have won. So, uh, hey, you know, if you love your team, you love your team, right? Oh, yeah. That's the that's the heart and soul of the Bleacher Creature. you got to love your team. you got to love being there. And I'm not a very good singer, but... I think I got a little cry. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, but that's my Bleacher Creek shirt for the week. It's always good to see somebody uh, supporting. Oh, yeah. Um, mine is going to go back to baseball. I saw it this morning at the Marlins-Cardinals uh, game yesterday, I believe it was. It might have been top plays of the weekend. But it was a uh, familiar scene that we've – all come to know and love of a dad holding on to his beer and making the big snag of grabbing the bare hand in the baseball home run. That's basically hit out of the park and a guy holding his beer right to his chest, sticks his hand up, bare hands it gets the big fist pump. And you can, you can you know see him getting a lot of cheers. Obviously there's the famous Phillies dad that caught the beer, caught the ball in his beer while holding his baby. So I brought, right. brought back memories of that, but like we said, you know, you got to support the team. That's the heart and soul of the Bleacher Creature, and you got to support your beer. You know, it's a big, big part of going to the ball game. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I one day I hope to catch a baseball in my beer uh, when I'm playing for when I'm out in the outfield for the Phillies, watching hopefully JP Crawford stroke some balls this year for the Phillies. I know, I know you haven't done the NL East yet, but you know, I'm just very excited for my Phillies this year. So. Yeah. Yeah, and that actually uh, brings up sort of the the housekeeping of the rest of the week. Matt, will, Matt and I will be back probably some point later this week. Let's not give a day yet because we don't want to uh, get people's hopes up. But we're gonna we're gonna finish up, or we are finished up the American League. But we are gonna move to the other the other side of the Central and go to the National League Central. And then at some point, right now I have Greg penciled in to do the National League East with me to to finish up our. I can't do it with you. It's too much homerism. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, we brought up the Phillies, I think, more times than we should have tonight. And we're talking about the Cleveland Indians and the Kansas City Royals. So I think <laughs> i got to bring in the guy that always keeps me in check with uh, my Philadelphiaisms, Greg Piatelli. But I think that'll do it today for the AL Central. Matt, you got anything else you wanted to talk about? Yeah, that's, that's, that wraps it up for me. Yeah, well, thank you for, for you know coming on, and this was great. Like always, go like, subscribe, give a comment on the podcast, and tell your friends about it. We keep getting more and more listeners, and hopefully we get this on iTunes soon. We got a little bit of business we have to figure out with uh, getting it on there. But, you know, for Matty D, this is the G-Man signing off from the bullpen card. Thanks again.